0: So today I have the wonderful Aiden Wooshness with us today. Did I say it right, your last name? Uh very close, it's Aiden Washness. Washness, sorry, I know I always screw that up, so I think everybody who's so listening to my knows. episodes. Um, yeah, but I've had you on multiple times now. I should not be screwing up your name, but it, it's uh I will I will live. Um, everybody this gives everybody a chance to razz me. So Uh, Welcome back. We've had a little break from the Hemphletic podcast, just a uh, little admin, Um, you know, with the COVID and so many different things going on in the industry. um, I was very scrambled, especially with a business that I'm helping to grow, uh, and I didn't want to spread myself too thin. So now I've come to a place where I feel like I'm comfortable, the business is comfortable, and where we're growing. um, And I felt like this was a very good time to bring Aiden on, um, and for those of you who have not listened to an episode before, uh, give a quick update with for Aiden. So Aiden's a young man I met out of Albany at an event at the Hemp Industries Association, which is in Albany a little over two years ago, I believe now, or maybe two years ago. Um, yeah, and Aiden, right. thank, right? is that about right, Aiden? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, Aiden is uh, serves on the board of the Hemp Industries Association's New York chapter. Uh, he is also communication director. Um, so, I figured the communication director is the one to bring on to start talking about the new policies coming down for cannabinoids, not just CBD, but cannabinoids in New York State.
1: Aiden, welcome back yeah, to the thank, program, thank man. You, thank you very much for uh, having me on. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a real pleasure. It's always, always great to, to talk with you. Um, yeah, no, it's, the, the hemp industries are very interesting right now. I mean, especially in the cannabinoid space and especially in New York State, which is constant. Uh, like they. New York State states that it wants to be the leader in hemp and set an example for other states. Um, and the regulations that they, or the amendment they're ma- trying to make in Title 10 of their uh, health, health code um, is, uh, it's very interesting. I mean, a lot of it's great and a lot of it makes sense, but there's also just some components that are limiting to businesses in terms of their development. And then... Uh, also, just kind of is what uh, they're they're more suited to do. Um, but uh, basically, this is laying out guidelines which we we very much need for the cannabinoid industry in terms of how they can manufacture a product, who can manufacture a product, who can sell a product, uh, just basically the supply chain of uh, uh, cannabinoid products. And then, as you said, not just CBD, uh, like CBG, CBN, a whole bunch of other things. Um, and uh, this will allow for operators to kind of move forward and actually uh, build out an industry and, and have a regulated in industry that's, that's uh, kind of properly built. But there are some kind of issues in here. I mean, like, for example, the packaging thing in terms of, like, uh, it, uh, it can't be attractive to people under 18 years old. Like, What exactly uh, defines attractive? Right, that's a that's an issue, uh, or the as you said, like the, the smokable smokeable flower, that's a that's another issue in terms of it's it's not even necessarily just an issue for customers, but it's limiting for businesses because customers in other states can buy those products and we can buy them here. So there's just a few few factors that are kind of limit the uh, the way forward for the industry. Like I can understand to a degree why New York would want to do this and why New York would want to present these things in this way. But it's also just very challenging for businesses to actually, like, develop when they're competing with other states. And if New York wants to set the standards, I really don't think these are the best standards they can set.
0: I agree. Now, manufacturing-wise, they do have a basis of the CGMP dietary supplement standard. you supportive of that piece of it?
1: Yeah, I, I am I'm totally supportive of that. I mean, I think that's just something in general we need, right? It, it is a, a supplement um, unless it's manufactured for pharmaceutical use, but I, I am totally on board with the 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 manufacturing protocols in terms of the GMP, in terms of maybe the pharmaceutical grade is a little too high, but at the same time I feel as though that will that will be challenging for some companies, but it also like it uh, gives the hemp the hemp industry a, a better like status, right? Because you can. But know when you buy a product that it is going to be of the highest quality it can be, right? Um, so I'm pretty much on board with that. That's, that's not really an issue. So yep. well, where, what's, what's your take on it? No, I,
0: I, I think that uh, it is a good standardization because then it means that you truly can pick up a bottle on a shelf and know from seed to sale what all the components of that product are and that to me would erase a big piece of the industry where coas and other things maybe have caused some issues with people trusting products
1: absolutely totally i'm 100 I'm on board i mean also like the, the tracking aspect i know I've, I've had some conversations with some people that manufacture products and you, you certainly uh know know the manufacturing of products and, and labeling very well um because that's the, your industry but uh that like smaller manufacturers are like well maybe we can't fit a qr code on our bottle because the design doesn't work or something like that so that's like minor complaints i've heard around it but i think that's something that can be worked out and it is pretty much like standardized in other industries that there's a qr code on a package and you can scan it and, Like at least go to the website right um so I'm totally on board with all of that. I mean it it makes sense. It, it makes it a little more complicated and it's going to take some time for people to implement all this all these systems uh, and kind of change their their habits around it, but I think it's it's a very beneficial thing to have. Uh,
0: so the, what Aiden has referenced is there's a section that talks about the labeling components of products and they're not supposed to market to anybody under the age of 18. They're supposed to have warnings uh, and then, like he says, there's a lot of uh, products are also required to list appropriate warnings for consumer awareness. Uh, and all products are required to have a scannable code, which links to a certificate of analysis. So that's what he means by a QR code. Um, right. So, so uh, to me, that's good because then you can get uh, batching and COAs matching up. Um, so I do like that. Um, I think it's difficult. I think people have to be creative. On, on that, you know, like um, I think yeah. the state needs to clarify, for instance, can you have a scannable QR code that goes to a website that lists all the products in the batches uh, so you don't have to wait for packaging for every product every time, yeah. right? Yeah. So that yeah, that's absolutely. a fair question to the state, right? So you, technically it doesn't say it goes to the exact product as long as you have a page where all your COAs are listed, would that suffice for the state?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's kind of, I think uh, – thread that goes throughout the entire document is that some of the things are just kinda of not really super well defined. And it's like, A, what is the definition of this thing exactly so that somebody knows when they're doing this, what to expect and what to do and then also like who defines that. Because a lot of these things are like defined by the department. Defined by the department's like, well, could you change can you change your definition at any point in time? Or is that purely just the definitions that are like the very beginning of the document that goes through but that doesn't even define everything. Mm-hmm. Well.
0: Uh, and then the THC piece of it, um, I do like that they're talking about processors being able to have up to 3% of THC. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, that. And re- then they, and they'll
1: transfer it between uh, and sell it. Right, I, I think you're able to sell it off to uh, to um, somebody that's able to purchase it from
0: you. Yeah, as long as they're permit holders right. within the state, yeah. Yeah. Yep, which is nice because. So. And now that makes New York State Distillate more valuable for those processors. Yeah. Uh, Because you can't bring in hot anything from out of state now, so you can't really make a good quality full spectrum product in New York State without really getting it from a processor in New York State.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, you can. uh, Yeah, because now, because I mean, when I spoke with Larry Smart last year, one of the topics that came up was. uh, the ratio of thc to cbd production in the plant and how like the genetics kind of limited it and it was uh like a maximum of uh like 23 uh percent to like one or four or something like that i don't remember the exact exact numbers but it was like uh basically that uh what i'm explaining is like in the genetics of hemp there's like a lock on the plant can produce X amount of CBD ratio to THC in terms of, like the maximum production it can make.
0: Yep, and part um, of that is the conversion and, of CBDA.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly, and and, and so uh, so thereby, if you limit that like the the percentage of THC that you can have in the plant, as as like uh, then you thereby limit the amount of CBD or potentially even other cannabinoids that you can have concentrated in the plant. And so, like, therefore, it limits the, the production quality of the end product or even just what uh, the lab can, can make up in, in the lab. Um, and so it's, yeah, I think that is definitely, uh, yeah, I, 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 I very much like that. that. I mean, like, that also just takes off some of the burden off the farmers, too, because that's just, uh, that's a burden that they shouldn't have to bear to such a degree.
0: Yeah, that's correct. And I I think, actually, this whole process, unfortunately, has probably been unfair not only to farmers, but processors as well. Originally, 70 processors, I believe, got approved by the state with the original research agreement, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: yeah, that sounds about right.
0: How many actually ended up extracting before what we're going to tell people about the next phase that's going on?
1: Uh, I'm not sure on the exact numbers, so don't quote me on this, but... Based on the conversations I've had throughout the state, it seems like under twenty.
0: And some of them are small scale. Yep, small scale. Yeah. I would say that's probably about accurate, because uh, there's some small yeah. scale operations we probably don't know about. Uh, but as far yeah. as large scale produce production, I'm thinking probably between five and ten. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I would.
1: I would definitely agree. Um, yeah, definitely some small scale produ- producers that. Uh early, early on before these regulations came out I had a thought that this industry was gonna like, kind of go the way of like maple syrup and that you had the large large-scale manufacturers that could produce mass amounts and sell it anywhere like Canada basically mm-hmm. uh, or you had but you also had like the boutique operations where you had like the local uh, maple syrup person um, it, I guess it could still go that way to an extent right I mean somebody with a smaller lab could set up all the standards and practices that are needed for pharmaceutical rate manufacturing and GMP quality. But it's also very expensive. And so like to think, to to operate at such a small scale for such a price, like there's a certain point that you kind of need to scale up to in order to reach, uh, like uh, um, scale, like scale to actually match prices. So it's cheaper for you to manufacture because
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. you got to scale scale up to be able to, to sell on the market when it comes down to it because the yeah. market right now yeah. was saturated. Now it's not necessarily saturated, but I think people are still afraid necessarily to make products yet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, because there's, I mean, it's not really saturated in terms of like really who's manufacturing, but it is still kind of saturated in terms of just like people's mindsets around, like the consumer's mindset around the whole thing because they've seen so many things. They have no idea what they're going to buy. And so like it's going to, I think regulations like this in New York State specifically will help to change that, right, and kind uh-huh. move forward and really kind of uh, support the industry a bit more. Um, so I, I'm I'm definitely like on board with the idea behind this bill. There's just components of it that are uh, missing or not. Descripted well
0: enough. Yep, and, and that's what I'd like to go into now is mention a couple of things that uh, that you guys or the Hemp Industry Association in general, uh, what maybe some of the biggest concerns are that you've heard.
1: Um,
0: I like it. That's all good. Uh, from a process yep. perspective, um, I actually kind of like it. Uh, so I, I am, i officially, I don't think I've officially said it before, but um, I do work with a company, No Wave here in Rochester. We are CGMP certified, Uh, We have gone through that rigorous process, so we are seed to sale. Um, We can track everything. Uh, What he's saying is it's very costly to to go through this process and to have all your processes documented from the beginning to the end, including everything from labeling to packaging. People don't realize every customer complaint has to be logged and and uh, action items. It's a very thorough process. Um, So that's what processors have to now Attain before they can move forward. Uh, right now, I can state that our company is on a temporary permit. So what they did was they ended the original research agreement. It ended, I believe it was the end of November, if, I, if I'm correct, Aiden. Yeah. And yeah. then they offered temporary permits to companies that had GMP certifica- certifications. Uh, and there was other criteria as well to get a temporary permit. Aiden might be able to go into that better than me. Uh, but we did meet all the criteria, and we were issued a temporary permit. So now we have a temporary term permit to continue uh, with the knowing full well the full application, again, is going to be put up for us to uh, submit once again, which we did similar for the research agreement, uh, within the next 30 days, we think.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it's... Uh, um yeah, I, I definitely think you're, you're going to be able to uh, resubmit very very quickly so in terms of uh, major things that kind of stand out to me definitely I mean maybe I'll, I'll just kind of gloss over three of them but mm-hmm. definitely the flower flower, and, and really just kind of uh, the, the defined uh, products that are allowed there's definitely some of them that are understandable right but there's some of them that are like this is very this is just limiting for like any industry it doesn't matter what industry you're in um And then the. uh, Can we talk about that a little bit more in depth right now? Do you mind?
0: I want to get to all three, but um, because this is kind of a double edged sword, because I think there's some hypocrisy. Like, how can they allow smoking, which we know negatively affects the health of 51% of the people who put a cigarette to their mouth, but yet they're not going to allow smokable uh, for cannabis?
1: Yeah. So first off, two, two things I just want to make on, on this. Go ahead, sorry. Definitely the, the, the smokeable aspect is, is kind of crazy. Though I, I am really happy about the uh, laws they're putting in place for vape products in terms of how the vape cartridges are assembled and what materials are allowed to go into them and all that kind of stuff. Specifically for the vape section, I'm very happy about that. Flowers to be consumed it's just crazy, right? I mean, that's, like, the, that's the law they have in their, their medical program, all the, the medical marijuana program, all the, as as I think they recently opened it up, they're allowed to buy a flower. I'm not as familiar with, with that program. Um, but uh, it's, like, it, it's just very, it's very limiting, right? It's also, it requires that there's the whole full, like, uh, Supply chain in terms of all the different people that are in the supply chain, right? The, from the grower to the extractor, processor. I guess they're called cannabinoid processors to cannabinoid manufacturer to to the distributor and then the, the uh, retail, right? Mm-hmm. So like, it forces it forces it, and I mean they're they're making lots of money. Not maybe not lots of money, but they're making a, a decent change in uh, in the um, not just the taxes in, in the end, but the the, um, the application fees, right? Oh, absolutely. And so, like, it forces forces everybody to go for that supply chain. Uh, so that's kind of limiting. And then also, literally, it it's, seems to be almost every other state, other than I think there's, I want to say, five states that don't allow for, or four states that don't allow for smokable flour uh, to be consumed, which is, like, like it out, it's outright banned in those states, um, which is just, I mean, if, if New York was added to that list, that... that would benefit it it's just about everybody else is offering smokeable flour and it's just a whole other product line that's just not offered which it's really just a matter of consumers are, are going to be lacking right unless they're buying online but then they may not necessarily know if they're buying online exactly what they're buying unless regulations break down there too mm-hmm. um, and then when they're uh, if they like they have to go out of state maybe to buy flour but that's kind of ridiculous I mean like Marijuana, I can understand to a degree, but like, the, the hemp bastard, I mean, that's just crazy. Um, and then it's also a matter that the businesses can't really compete, right? Because now you're like forcing everybody to be in just the end cannabinoid products. Um, and then in terms of uh, other things that they're not allowing, they're not allowing, I mean, I understand not mixing with tobacco, but then it, again, it is hypocrisy, right, that they allow tobacco products. And they're already restricting smokeable products to people uh, over 21, right, so it would fall in line with their tobacco uh, requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're, I understand not letting it to be an injectable, uh, unless it's like pharmaceutical grade, Uh Totally get that. Uh, but like transdermal patch, like can we not have a CBD patch or a cannabinoid patch? I mean, it seems pretty straightforward. Inhalers, what exactly defines an inhaler in this case? Um, and then the flower product and like no cigar, cigarette pre roll or any. And then the very last thing, going back to that very mm-hmm. like subtle thing, uh, other disallowed form as determined by the department. It's like, does that determination occur now? does it does that determination occur when they just decide to determine something differently? Like that's just so vague that they can basically allow for or not allow for anything right? it's just it's that is probably my my biggest scrape about this entire thing is the disallowed forms for business and consumers.
0: I agree, restricts their use. Yeah, I mean, it should be up to the consumer what's good for them. The this, this state now. Now, I get it if we're talking about things that are are really truly bad for people, but there's not enough yeah. evidence that shows smokable does any harm at all. And I've I, I've talked to yeah. health expert experts in the past. I mean, there's a reason why there's THC in inhalers for kids for asthma mm-hmm. folks because it does something different to your lungs than cigarettes do. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had friends that. Uh, gone to medical programs and used it for asthma and, and to get is, is really inc- incredible. And then also the, again, I can kind of understand but like alcohol, right? Can we not have a canninoid-infused alcohol beverage? Again, like you're, they're, restrict, they're restricting some of the products to people over 21 uh, which is like, again, I mean, Maybe the 18 limit would be good, but I'm not really sure. There's still some kind of things going on in terms of like, for example, delta A, T, X, C. We can get into that maybe a little later. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, no, we will because I want to ask you but, a pun,
1: but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, this is just very limiting and, and, and very hypocritical, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, again, I can I can understand why they might want to do this I can understand that they don't want to take like a new stance but as you said there's still so sell- like if they really want to take a stance stop selling cigarettes stop selling tobacco products
0: right like, where there's known statistics of people who use it that are addicted and cause negative health impacts I mean I it doesn't yeah. I don't understand why there's not more people banging down this drum
1: <laughs>
0: I really don't no,
1: it is really it's
0: ridiculous <laughs> I mean the things we all bang a drum on guys and I'm not getting any political into anything political today but why wouldn't we bang our drum on this I mean we can actually list health facts from yeah. so many different places uh, Aiden could recite yep. five different places that would contradict what these guys are trying to do right now um yeah no it's it's totally like uh yeah
1: it's very hypocritical. Mm-hmm. it's it's crazy um, and, and I mean it's definitely as challenging in terms of like Hemp already has enough issues so that I can, I can kind of understand why somebody might not bang on the drums because we already have so many other roadblocks. If we don't also miss chewing the tobacco industry against us, but I mean, quite frankly, big tobacco likes hemp because they want to be in hemp <laughs> um, and they want, they want to switch to a new product. Yeah, they could just turn their fields over. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not that different in terms of supply chain, at least for flower production. Yeah. Um, now, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy
0: you know this is this is it's really a lot of information folks and what's going on is within days a week uh the new permanent regs are going to be put out they already had a 60-day period where people could comment on it uh i do know from personal experience they did not respond to all the emails they said they were gonna so i'm very curious um (laughs) if they're gonna address any of it in the final language um i do support the program i support the the generalities of it. Um, I do disagree with you. On one point, I'll agree to disagree with you. Uh, the one thing I've done through all my research is tobacco and alcohol in general, to me, are probably the banes of society as far as uh, addiction and what leads people to do other things and be more negative impacts on society in general. And and I, I don't want to generalize too bad, but those two things seem to be the worst, so I don't know if I'd even want my cannabinoids mixed with those two things, to be honest. Like, for instance, if you're drinking a CBD beer, isn't the alcohol of that beer and the CBD almost counteracting each other?
1: Pretty much. I, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Like, I like, ideally, if, if, if no alcohol could be sold and, and no uh, um, tobacco could be sold, I would totally be on board. I guess it's just more the, the hypocritical aspect, but definitely, like... Um, In terms of the view of the hemp industry, in terms of how people see hemp and like perceive it, if they've gotten past the for Madness and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, because unfortunately there's still some people like that out there, which I'm always surprised at. Always (laughs) surprised. Anyway, uh, um, there's always stereotypes. People perceive it, yeah. People perceive it as a like a health product, right? At least to some degree. Maybe like textiles and stuff, but a health product to some degree. CBD, cannabinoids. Uh, and so, yeah, mixing with tobacco and alcohol would actually, like, negatively reflect on the industry as a whole. Um, so, yeah, so I'm totally on board with that aspect in terms of how it functions. I, I guess it's just a matter of looking at it from a pure business aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it just... It's hypocritical and
0: somewhat limiting. It's a, right? it's a fair point, uh, and I just like to bring up both points for people because there is both sides of it, right? Uh, that that business yeah. side of it is a true thing. If people really want to put CBD in their beer and drink it, then let's make it for them. Uh, you know, uh, the the other thing I do like is they're going to allow 25 milligrams of cannabinoids in yeah. a food unit or drink. Yeah,
1: although they're not allowing the additive of. Product or uh, CBD cannabis products at point of sale, so I mean, it is interesting and I definitely like I I can understand that because that's a little bit more challenging to regulate, right? Um, but yeah, no, I'm very much on board with that. Like that is just that's
0: great. <laughs> so there's a lot of people I'm sure now. Uh, I think we I've talked about it on the I don't know with eight or not, but on previous episodes I've discussed how you really have to be careful how you package CBD because CBD water in a Clear bottle, generally speaking, is not going to have the CBD content in it that it did when it was produced. So there, there are yeah. issues there, and there were a lot of people on the state kind of selling bad products, so they almost were all taken off shelves. I believe the Department of Health mentioned at one point on a call we had with them that that was the one thing they, they sent out the most, um, f- not fines, but letters on, as people removing yeah. um, beverages from shelves of retail stores. You hear anything else along those lines, Aiden?
1: Uh, I haven't heard specifically to that, but yes, they've been primarily removing them. And actually, in terms of that aspect, something I really liked about it was that they have the specification that it has to have, they'll attest at point of sale between 90% and 110% of the cannabinoid content uh, labeled, which is uh, right there, limits the, like, in terms of somebody putting CBD water in a clear bottle that's then being broken down by UV. It would uh, limit that
0: production. Correct. So what is Aiden is saying is, any CBD product you create, when if someone was to take and off it,
1: product.
0: yes, yes, thank you. Uh, a- anything from extraction on, if your COA uh, attached to that product and they take that product off the shelf, that COA has to be plus or minus minus ten percent. Uh, from the actual wording on the label So if there's a label of let's say Chewable or a tincture uh, A tincture for instance Let's say a thousand milligram tincture And then it says it has what cannabinoids inside You test that yourself Or send it to a third party lab It has to be within plus or minus 10% of the label Yeah, exactly And and that right there is uh, um,
1: There's Yeah, that right there I think will will help to solve That issue with, At least through Um People just investing in business, right? They don't want to lose money in terms of all the products on the, on the shelf because, I mean, that's just been an issue in general in terms of the head industries that somebody will make a product, somebody will buy a product, you have a label. I remember, I think, one of our last conversations, or maybe just a conversation that we had over the phone, uh, talking about uh, how you guys were doing testing of the different cannabis products that you're buying off the shelves like two years ago and how, A, some of them would be like labeled. 600 milligram or 600 milligrams of cannabinoids, but then like you wouldn't know what the different like the different cannabinoids were in there, or that would just be like 600 milligrams of like CBD, but then there was other cannabinoids in there, or uh, like just uh, how they didn't really always test out to having what they actually had in there. So I think that like the, these kinds of specifications are, are very good. Like, again, majority of this bill is great, it's just like a few like 10% of it is like very uh. Scary, but, like, concerning in terms
0: of moving forward. I know I've been asked at least, I don't know, 500 times in the last six months, when is recreational marijuana going to be allowed in New York State? So, Aiden, all those people I'm now going to ask you so I can pass on the information to those 500 people, (laughs) what are we looking like? This is a little tongue-in-cheek, folks, because none of us know, but the one thing that is on our side this year is this state is
1: in trouble New Jersey and Vermont is also regulate now opening up so yeah uh, competition. competition surrounded um yeah and so it's like they're surrounded by uh, marijuana potentially by next year and so like they're totally going to lose out on all of the uh tax paying money and uh then they're also potentially if they like want to not lose it exactly maybe they'd have to build up a stronger police force which then costs more money and so it's just like it just makes business sense at this point in time it's just kind of their their hand is being forced and then also they're they're broke and people are leaving in droves so yeah
0: i can't imagine how much of a shortfall they're going to have this year with the amount of businesses that were closed this year i mean if you just think about yeah let's say, I think I heard a figure nationwide that 35% of restaurants are closed for yeah. good, right? And it might even be more than that. I'm trying to be a little conservative. Um, but just think about 35% in New York State of all that revenue that used to go in sales tax to the state. Uh, the education, I don't know how they're going to fund the education. So I definitely see a piece uh, of this because they're talking about the one bill I read for the marijuana, if I'm not mistaken, correct me, but part of it was going to go to education. Uh, it was going go yeah. to go to a lot of refund, but only if it was designated specifically for education.
1: Yeah, uh, the, uh, I think it's very similar to Colorado's um, system and Oregon's system. also goes to education. Uh, yeah, um, it, it's a, I mean, it's great, and it's a great sale too, right? Like, uh, hey, we're, we're selling this new um, adult-use product. And, uh, but it's going to help the kids. So, um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a very, it's a very good way to, to kind of pitch it. But all right. So in terms of my estimation mm-hmm. on, uh, on where, where marijuana is at first off, uh, why hasn't it been going forward? It's, I mean, again, it's, it's, uh, this is all spitballing. So, um, but spitballing, spitballing with some somewhat in, inside information. Uh, I had a bunch of conversations with some people, I won't go into the names, but um, looking at like why, why wasn't it being passed, and a lot of people that were against it was the alcohol lobby, because even though marijuana doesn't completely overlap alcohol, it does overlap alcohol to some degree in terms of consumption, and so they're looking at losing some revenues, and then the insurance companies were also kind of against it, uh, primarily looking at like how do we regulate the consumption and driving and all these kinds of things because there isn't really any way to measure, like there is alcohol consumption still to this this point in time that's like at a serious point that it could be just like used mass scale. Or used in and, court, uh, yeah, or valid in court, correct. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, and then also it's, it's just, like the alcohol aspect can be, yeah, it's, it's just, it's very, it's very convoluted. Uh, so that's, that's a challenge. Um, and, uh, and so, and then also, um, yeah, it's it just, it's, uh, and then
0: a little bit of where the tax money was going to, the Democrats kind of fought a little bit about where the tax money was going to go, right? Wasn't that a piece of it as well?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, and so it's, it's just very, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very convoluted issue. Although it, like, is putting myself into the point of view of like the alcohol lobby, or putting myself into the point of view of the insurance companies and the insurance lobby, and all I, I can I can understand to a degree, um, but it's totally at this point in time. A Cuomo's been wanting to do it; seems like he wants to run for president, so you know, it'd be a good notch in his, uh, in his belt for but potentially for people liking him that are younger, but uh, not sure how much that will help. But. Uh, but it's also an aspect too that the financial, they're being forced. I mean, they're going to lose every, like all the revenue, so much revenue is going to be lost. People can basically drive in every direction in New York State and get marijuana if they just drive over a border. Um, and so I think the, the financial aspect is just kind of forcing them, um, similar to how things in, in the COVID are, are forcing businesses to change and everything. It's not exactly the same forces, but it's, it's, <laughs> Do it to the same thing, mm-hmm. and in terms of businesses closing down, uh, I have an uncle in the city that's just been telling me, like walking down like Lexington Avenue, it's just boarded up after boarded up after boarded up. A shop open, it's just like everything's just closed down. It's it's, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, it's and I think yeah, it probably within a year legislation will come out. Maybe this year, it's possible. Um, but I'm not, I can't give an the exact numbers. I mean, like, it's always been the, like a year or two out kind of thing, but it seems like their hand is being forced, especially now. So I'm yeah. feeling pretty comfortable this year.
0: Uh, I'm a little bit interested to see, tied with this, what we're talking about, the legislation for the cannabinoid and hemp side of it, tying in the rec side of it is how he's going to handle smokable, and is there going to be consistency from cigarettes to smokable rec to the cannabis, uh, hemp, and CBD-type smokable.
1: Yeah, in terms of uh, what, what the regulations are on the products, well, there's there's some tie-in terms of the testing department, uh, like the uh, people that are actually testing the products, they have to they have to be regulated potentially by the marijuana department, um, or I guess there's some options that they don't have to be. but uh, So there seems to be some tie-over, for sure. It's also just going to be interesting to see How the sales of uh, cannabinoid hemp are into like uh, recreational stores will that be allowed? Um, And uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm not so clear on exactly how they're going to move forward with that, but it's definitely very interesting to see how that tie-in will occur because it's also that marijuana and, and hemp are kind of in some ways against each other. Um, I know, like a bunch of people in marijuana aren't necessarily four people in hemp because it's, to some degree, is like competition. Even though that's kind of ridiculous, and I feel like going forward, it's gonna have to change. Uh, it's because of all the cannabinoids, so there's some different things that are going on. Again, like delta eight, that's like, will that become a recreational cannabinoid? I don't know. Um, so it's, uh, I'm not really certain. But was from from a processor's point of view and what you've looked into as cannabinoids aren't really my industry, but uh, I I partake in it due to being on the board. Um, What's your take on the situation there? For processors in general? Yeah, like being a processor and like working with the marijuana space. Like where where, where do you see?
0: Well, obviously everybody's, Very curious right now is how they're going to roll it out. I think that's how nervous everybody is. Is it going to be rolled out so big companies from out of state are going to be able to come in and open up operations? Or are they going to really uh, set up a system where people in New York, especially maybe existing cannabis processors, that could just switch their equipment over in one day and be making products? Uh, There would be probably a little R&D time. Just to make sure that your COAs and, and the products you're making are good yep. quality products, right? So you'll get maybe someone from out west to help you with that. But generally speaking, I think the biggest concern is once it does go legal, other yep. states have had the issue of they're not able to put product on shelves consistently for a while. So is that yep. so? Uh, does that going to make New York State want to get an out of state company to come in, big dog, and just take over the market? Or are they gonna what? How are they going to handle this? Is it going to be a pay-to-play game yeah. or not?
1: Uh, I mean, well, we've definitely seen how they've uh, handled that in the hemp space. It hasn't really worked out that well. Uh, they've had multiple promises for big companies to come in and take over the industry. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I mean, well, they already have the, the interlocking aspect of being able to sell the THC into the uh, – recreational space or into people that are able to take it medical space potentially. I guess they haven't, haven't fly recreational as that hasn't come out, but uh, into the medical space. And so there's already some overlap, right? Like you're already going to be, as a processor, you're going to be doing dealings with a medical company. Um, and so it seems as though the step could be taken very straight. I mean, like, again, as you said, some, a few more checks, right? Checks and balances, but, uh-huh. uh, the step is very straightforward. I mean, and that's also, whenever I talk to people about the cannabinoid industry, it's like, why did cannabinoids take off versus, like, uh, fiber and stuff? It's like, well, basically, all the technology for extraction and manufacturing already existed, and so there's no, like, development that needs to occur. And so, uh, it, as you said, it is the exact same thing. You're just looking for a slightly different compound uh, in the manufacturing process, and you're already dealing with that compound. So it makes all the sense and and as you said, like the aspect of getting new manufacturers up and running to be at capacity, to be operational, to have all the standards in place takes time. Right. And so you guys have already gone through that. Other processors in New York State have gone through that. So it would make sense for such a thing to occur. Will that actually happen again? Because I feel as though the marijuana lobby against the hemp lobby is kind of there. potential for ties to occur again because it, it makes sense, right? Like uh, it would be so much easier for a uh, mar- marijuana manufacturing company to come in and just buy hemp or buy uh, THC that's being produced by like uh, a processor, right? It just be it would it would make a lot of sense. Mhm. Uh, I'm very interested so. to see.
0: Yeah, it, I I don't know if I trust because of the past, obviously, misdealings of the top people in the state as far as corruption and everything. And I'm not saying anything that isn't validated in court proceedings over the last 10 years, folks. Um, but we, we are one of the most corrupt, politically corrupt states in, in the union. So uh, I guess that's my concern is just where where is this going to yeah. go that way? Uh, because I do feel that's like... Uh, anybody here in the state, you know, not not only my company, but any other company in the state that is processing, is GMP certified, making good quality products can help fill the niche because you know what that niche is going to be in New York City. That's what everybody's eyeballing right now because New York City is where that's they want it. That's where these sales are going to skyrocket. That's where the most yeah. people in a small area, you everybody wants a dispensary in New York City. I know that.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a benefit that New York State has in general. Of course, if uh, the city's still definitely a, a big purchaser, but we're gonna have to see how it plays out going forward. But uh, the um, that's definitely a benefit that I've always found that New York State has is that it may not necessarily have the best growing conditions because we can't necessarily grow year-round and lots of hills and stuff. But um, it's. Uh, like there's a lot of land to grow on there's a lot of farmers out there to grow and then you got a massive market in like one little small spot Uh, and then you also have like not just the New York City market but you also have direct access to international markets Um, and so it's like that's one of the reasons that I very much still enjoy staying in New York State because it offers that opportunity it's just whether or not these regulations and industry allows for it to be kind of optimized but in terms of will they do the rational thing or will they do the more corrupt thing um, that is that is definitely to be determined and I am on board with the uh, uh, the concerns there um,
0: I'm excited a, yeah I'm excited I know yeah, there's a lot excited. of people I, I love seeing soccer moms talking about their excitement over it <laughs> Yeah, I mean it does. It's it, to be honest. Think about it. The money, the tax. I I like this perspective. The tax revenue coming in, potentially New York State through the through the legislation I read that hopefully will get passed through, puts a lot of money into education. So not only are you going to have the parents now properly medicated versus maybe drinking themselves to sleep or using maybe okay. more alcohol, maybe they might subdue their alcohol intake a little bit more cannabis and next thing you know you're going to have engaged parents you're going to have maybe more active parents uh and it can only make a better situation for the kids and the parents
1: both absolutely no 100 percent, 100 percent, and it's also very interesting just the acceptance of marijuana too how that's changing it's still kind of a somewhat taboo thing and like the suburban kind of area like people that do it do it kind of openly but they also don't really like They'll openly drink in front of their kids, but, like, the idea of smoking in front of their kids is, like, kind of taboo. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm totally, that's, like, I totally agree with that. That, uh, um, yeah, people are, the, the aspect of drinking t- to mm-hmm. numb everything is just always found very interesting. Never been one to enjoy alcohol. Um, the marijuana can, or cannabis can produce so many different um uh, different products and compounds that can do so many different things that it's just a lot more uh, utility exists in the plan. Correct. And uh, no, I'm uh, exactly, and then the education fund increasing, I and mean, definitely needs better education systems, I guess, throughout the entire country. So but if we can start in New York, that'd be great. Uh, Amen.
0: Now, all right, so we've mentioned yeah. a couple times Delta 8. You've mentioned maybe the new <laughs> recreational. So so let's talk about a little bit about that Del- First of all, let's talk about the We'll bring the DA into this, I guess um, and, and the state. Have you officially seen a ruling on Delta 8 if it is illegal or e- legal or illegal to sell?
1: Uh, I have not seen an official ruling on it and uh, at this point in time it's it's being sold like in the same kind of classification as CBD and that like I mean there's more regulations for CBD. Uh, and and uh, uh, other cannabinoids similar to that, but uh, for delta eight, it's being sold under that like gray area where it's it's not regulated but it's not illegal, um, and the un, the unregulated it's an un, unregulated thing.
0: And what Aiden is saying is the DA states very clearly what is allowed with THC percentages, everything else, but. Yeah. Delta 9. Specifically say Delta 9. Yes, Delta 9 and THC is what it's referred to, folks. So Delta 8 is kind of a sister to Delta 9. Uh, is my best way that I explain it, and you can correct me after I'm done hearing. And it is not it's necessarily a head high, it's more of a body high. But officially, uh, my chemist and I have talked, and, and we think it's a synthetic form of THC. Which, by the standard definition of the DEA, would be illegal. What's your take on that, Amy?
1: Yeah, so uh, my understanding is that it's uh, yes, it's very similar to THC. There's, I think, one extra atom on the on the molecule, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's like a little bit less potent in terms of the like. I mean, I guess potency can be determined, right? Because head highs, body highs, it's all very different. But it's a bit less potent than THC is. uh, And it's, um, but it still does get you high to some degree, right? And I find it fascinating. And I I didn't, like, really know about it all that much up until, like, maybe a year ago. Um, And then I started hearing about some friends that were like, oh, yeah, I bought some hemp in the store and uh, I smoked it and I got high. I was like taken aback by that aspect, um, but it's uh, it does produce a psychoactive effect, and it is as, as you said a bit more of a body high, um, and it's very it's very interesting. I mean, I, I've I've always uh, before THC or um, delta nine THC 8, or delta eight THC, gosh, um, delta eight THC before delta eight THC like really came on to it, the like the front lines. I've always thought about the aspect of there's gotta there, we already we already know there's other cannabinoids like for example THCV that is psychoactive. We already know like CBN is psychoactive. Uh and so what's gonna happen with these cannabinoids? Like are they gonna become recreational cannabinoids? Are they gonna become regulated under that? Uh are they gonna stay in the nutr- nutraceutical products? Um are they gonna stay in function Like where where exactly are they gonna go? And delta A is just like a perfect example of this because of the very specific language of the Delta nine THC in the bill and the many bills that uh, authorizes the percentage of the Delta nine THC, but then the Delta eight is different. And I, my feeling and my take on it is that it's probably going to become recreational down the road, but at the same time, like, while i don't necessarily think they should be accessible to the average like like you don't want it to be accessible to like a kid or something Mm -hmm. right but it's also an aspect that all these cannabinoids are useful in mixtures uh even if they're not being used to get high Mm -hmm. um, that they actually affect the other cannabinoids in the mixture so therefore a consumer may not be able to get a beneficial enough product unless they go through the recreational world and that's extremely expensive Right. And so uh, it, it's cost prohibitive to go into the recreational space to buy a product if the taxes are extreme. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's like there's like the many different aspects of this in terms of like the consumer is definitely going to be limited, maybe not necessarily exactly. But the, the regulations around it would have to be maybe not strict, but like they'd have to be very well laid out because of course, you're gonna probably get some bad actors that are gonna to try to get into this space, and they're going to be like, "Oh, we're just gonna sell this as marijuana." Um, although they do have a uh, the one of the components in in this is like uh, not uh, not allowing certain statements on packaging that would allow for somebody to like uh, I think it says um, somebody of reasonable um, uh, ability, not like not confusing it with marijuana or confusing it with. Uh, like products to get high or for recreational products. Mm-hmm. So that is that is language that's in there. Uh, but that being said, it's like just because somebody doesn't put it on the packaging, like it's pretty widely known. Uh, somebody doesn't need to put it on the packaging. Like it, it it's just known that like Delta eight gets you high by these people that are buying hemp products. And so yeah, it's very it's kinda of, it's it's very convoluted. All, I mean all all of cannabinoids are convoluted, right? Like if you look at like the federal level, the federal government would love to take each individual cannabinoid and be like, we're going to build a regulation around each individual one. Uh, but the industry doesn't want that to happen because that would be insane. A, it would take forever, and B, it, like, it would just limit the business development and it would limit product development, and it would just not benefit consumers or business.
0: And think about how many years it would take for them to research each of these cannabinoids. So how about this? They, the federal government found THC – bandits and this is it and they almost box themselves in in a corner now because if delta eight or maybe we find out something else here down the down the future one of these cannabinoids also combined with delta eight get you a better buzz than delta nine these guys it's going to make it all look so funny
1: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so it's it's, uh it's very interesting i I mean it would take forever if they had to research everything even the cannabinoids that we do have access to right now that are relatively in the legal space um or more knowledgeable even the ones that are very highly researched like cbd and thc even then we like we still have very limited knowledge we, ha- we have some understanding of what they do but we're still like lacking exactly how they work um and and all the like potential uh, repercussions if there are any or not repercussions but just like outcomes that, that can occur from them mm-hmm. and so uh yeah, if they were to go through it, and, and what's the number? Like 200 unique compounds that are in the cannabinoid class that are in the cannabis plant? <laughs> I <cannabis> know, like, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. They're, no, it's great. They're just they're opening
0: Pandora's box a little bit. So Delta 8, uh, I'm curious, have you heard anybody getting any kind of tickets, cease and desist, or anything on producing of Delta 8 products across the country?
1: I can't say I've heard anything specifically, no.
0: And I would imagine um, the Hemp Industry not, Association would have, right? It's not out there. Yeah, no, I agree, but I haven't heard either, which I imagine yeah. if as soon as we hear it once, it's going to be like a wave through the industry.
1: Yeah. Well, it seems like it's kind of like Delta 8 has been within the hemp scope, like in terms of knowledge-wise, within like the top people, for like maybe like two, three years. Um, but it's kind of like only become very popular – within the uh, hemp space um like more popular like general public popular uh, within like a year or less potentially like i'm really only hearing people starting to like know about it or like going to a dispensary or going to a, like a store that's selling hemp and buying the hemp flower and then smoking it so like it definitely seems like it's uh it, it's something that if it becomes popular enough we're likely to see more cease and desists and everything. but again it's, it's still like what exactly are they going against because they're not really like the cease and desist wouldn't be against in these laws unless unless the packaging says like this is this is marijuana mm-hmm. right like uh, like or it says this treats something uh, but it, it, I feel like it's it, this is yeah this is like the the kind of the cusp of the very convoluted nature of this industry and it's gonna be very interesting to see how we move forward in terms of regulations, because, again, these things like ideally at some point in time it will obviously the cannabis industry and the different products uh, can be sold at different like tier levels, right? But like right now we're we're still kind of in this convoluted space where like THC is kind of cordoned off by marijuana industry and all the other stuff is cordoned off by hemp, sort of, not really, uh, and so it's like, oh, and it's also just the, as we said, like the marijuana lobby is against the hemp industry to an extent and many people in the hemp industry see the marijuana people as, as enemies um, or like uh, competition Um, because it is again, very much competition to some degree, right? Like the recreational store kind of has an edge over like a hemp retail store and that they can sell everything, including the THC products, but like a a hemp retail store can only sell the, the, the the cannabinoid products, but no THC. Right. And so, it's going to be but of course I mean, the price differences so i can understand that aspect mm-hmm. but still like it's it's still a factor like if somebody's already going to the recreational store because they're buying a thc product or they're just buying a product that's uh, maybe uh, made for whatever their, their their need is that's more likely to be found with a higher percentage of thc than 0.3 then they're likely to go to a recreational store and they're already there seeing the have products so they're just going to buy the hemp products from there and so like it, yeah, it's just, uh, again, I mean, this ties back to many aspects in terms of like, where does, uh, how how connected is marijuana, recreational marijuana to the hemp industry, right? Like, can, can you guys manufacture marijuana products? I mean, you're certainly set up to do it, right? Like, you guys certainly have all the equipment and technology and knowledge base to do it. Um, maybe just like, a few more papers need to be signed. I would say
0: for us, committed. for for us or companies companies similar to us that have been making. So we've made several pro. We make several products on hands. We also white label for companies. So companies come to us and we make products for them. So for us, I think it would just be the minute we're told we can have the THC on site, we would um, acquire some and start to do the R and D to start the products. We understand how. Uh, the other cannabinoids react with our products, so we assume THC would be the same, and uh, we would ma- we would start that R&D. And I would imagine every other company would be like that. You know, someone may be, like I said, hired for someone out west who's been making the products. But generally speaking, uh, yeah, that's, I think we'd be in the same boat as most processors here
1: in New York. Absolutely. And, and it would also match the... What seems like some protectionist law. I mean, it's not as extreme as uh, the regulation or uh, descriptors of regulations that were going to release in the uh, after the 2018 Farm Bill passed, but um, there there are some protections for New York State rowers and New York State processors and everything already in the hemp law. So it would it would make sense that again like the aspect of it are they going to do the sense sensical uh, way of approaching it or are they going to take the more corrupt way of approaching it Did some backer outside of the country outside of the state give them give them funding whatever it might be um but it's uh it would totally make and again like it would make sense not just for the people that are already in your state that already have all the technologies on hand i mean whether or not it's 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 a, a hemp processor or a marijuana processor. but I mean, There's very few marijuana processors in the medical space. So, in New York State, um, so it's like it, it would, it would, and it would also allow for New York State to ramp up its production a lot faster, right? Mm-hmm. Because all the permitting processes, you already know who can be permitted, you already know who's capable. So, why not, why not just go there first versus, as you said, like bringing a company in from another state. And that, that may be great, but then A, you're probably sending money, all the money out to the other state, like the state's collecting some of the tax revenue, but That's right. all the retail sales are just going out of the state. They're not staying in the state. Um, and, and also they're possibly, uh, buying sourcing from elsewhere. There's just, there's just so many aspects that it, that would inhibit, I feel like inhibit New York's ability to compete in the cannabis space. I mean, down the road, of course, we want the whole United States to be competing in the cannabis space against the world, right? Mm-hmm. But you're still going to have state-to-state competition. That hurt. happens in every industry. Um, and if New York State really wants to be the like leading role model for the hemp industries and for the cannabis industries, that's that's really what I mean. They really have to... Like, I, I feel like if they can figure out how to bridge the two industries, that right there will be something that can go on all headlines and everybody can learn about it um, because that it would also bring the, the two industries together. It's so, so many benefits from it, um, not just for the industry, but for New York State, for the consumers in New York State, so many benefits would come from it.
0: I'm so glad you said that because to me, that was one of the points I want to make at, at the end, and I'm glad you said that. To me, I think the two industries need to be bridged together, and it makes a lot of sense because... Like you said, it's easier for people to get products in one spot, whether it's a full spectrum tincture that they need or a 32% THC because that's what they like for their energy or whatever they need it for. Uh, So you made a great point. Um, Just real quick, there's a couple things I want to mention that we didn't talk about with the Part 1005, Title 10 for the Department of Health. Um, Just so people understand, there's going to be product regulation. So you... Allegedly, right now, you can't go to a retail store in New York State to get any CBD products that aren't made in a GMP certified facility. Um, I know that's not, there's no letters, the Department of Health isn't going out stopping people right now, but what they are doing as part of this new application process this month, just to let everybody know, is every retailer who's selling any cannabinoids in the state has to be registered with the state. It's not a very expensive procedure, but it does put a registration so everybody so everybody from a Wegmans to a Lori's Natural Food to uh, your corner gas station or if you're selling cannabinoids you're going to have to have a permit to do so uh, which puts everybody on a register obviously and then those products are only supposed to be made in a GMP certified facility which if I'm not mistaken should take a lot of products off people's shelves very quickly.
1: Yeah, that should definitely take a lot of products off of people's shelves. Um, I mean, that, I think that's like just the GMP certification is probably the biggest step in terms of uh, regulating products that are on shelves, or just products in general that are being sold, sold in New York State. Because I would say that like some of them are kind of dying out, but there's still so many just like crap products that are on shelves. I mean, you still walk into a gas station and there's like ten CBD, ten new CBD products in this little case next to the next to the counter. And it's like, what exactly are these? <laughs> and so, yeah. Uh, and it will also allow New York State to track everything a bit more, too. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so that part's good. Uh, so just an update for people, that's the retail side of it. And if you are selling yep. online, you have to have a retail permit. So if you are a producer yep. of cannabinoid products outside of the state, you have to get a permit for this, with the state to sell in the state. So someone from Colorado and a non-GMP site soon won't be able to bring the products in the state legally. That should help us yeah. as well.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah. No. And there's been some talk around that in terms of like out-of-state processors selling in-state. And while some of the aspects in terms of the labeling, but that the labeling I think applies to both sides—people in the state and people out of the state it's a little bit convoluted. Uh, the really the only difficulty I see for people out of state is the potential of having to make a new label for different states. But other than that, I'm I'm on board with that.
0: So am I. I think that's good for the industry in general for us in New York. Absolutely. Now is there anything else we haven't hit on today that you would deem important or something that uh, people should be aware of in the next six months to a year within the industry?
1: Um, Well... I don't know. Things to be in, uh, looking at. What specifically in the Cambodian? Do you want to say specifically Cambodian? Yeah, States absolutely. In New York State,
0: or e- either way, or go in, in yeah,
1: general.
0: You you're at the Hemp Industry Association, so I know you get you get a lot of different information. I'm just curious. if there's something people don't know that's going on that will be interesting?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I definitely think that the uh, I don't know. I I think that this bill is going to or this amendment, I guess, to the to Title ten is going to be very beneficial in terms of putting, again, if we can get these little things worked out, uh, very beneficial in kind of uh, solidifying some of the, not just business concerns in terms of what the hell am I manufacturing and how am I manufacturing it, making sure they'll be in accordance with everything, but also for consumers in terms of the uh, regulatory aspects and them Having it will take some time for their their knowledge to grow, but for them to be able to go into a store and pretty much be guaranteed that they're getting a safe, good manufactured product. Uh, In terms of elsewhere in the, uh, if if we stepped out of the cannabinoid space, something I found interesting, uh, interesting. So I'm primarily in the fiber space. Uh, which is very slow growing uh, like the cannabinoid space um, but it's, uh, it's understandably so very slow growing um, but uh, a lot of people may have I, I was having some conversations with some uh, industry insiders the other day and um Uh, It's been interesting, I don't know if you're familiar with Patagonia's deal that they were growing hemp in Colorado, exporting it to China, and then bringing it back here to manufacture jackets. (laughs) No, that's crazy. Are you familiar with that? No. No, that's awesome. uh, So, um, they had set up this proposal where, and and it would basically allow them to go through the loophole where they'd build to, uh, on their jacket, say, grown and manufactured in the United States. All right. So there's like loophole. Um, so their plan was to grow the hemp in Colorado. The reason that they chose Colorado was because the regulations around it are a bit looser, so it's easier for them to kind of maneuver within it. The actual growing conditions within Colorado, especially for fiber, is absolutely awful. Uh, it's not, not a great place to be growing really anything. Quite frankly, um, oh, okay. except for some places in Colorado, but majority of the areas they're growing hemp because like it's kind of ridiculous mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the plan was to grow it in Colorado, uh, export the raw hemp fiber. Um, has been I don't even think they went through the breeding process out to China. China would process it into a finished nice. thread, like which goes through many steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, let's do a little quick rundown steps. Like you grow the product, you run it. Uh, remove the lignin, which is called degumming, in other other uh, textile industries. Um, you then do put it through a carding machine, which basically separates all the fibers and organizes them, and then you spin it into thread. Uh, and then that thread gets either uh, woven or knitted or whatever into a fabric, mm-hmm. usually woven into a fabric or like knitted into jackets or clothing and stuff. Um, and uh, and then that fabric is sold to uh clothing manufacturers but then take that fabric like uh, for example a, a, a jean company would be buying denim uh, and they'd buy yards and yards of denim and then they'd cut them up into pants and then they'd sew them, them into pants and then silk the pants uh and so they were trying they're basically going to send this fiber to china they would take it through that whole process until it's a finished fabric and then send that fabric back to the united states and manufacture it to their jackets uh, however, they ran into some hurdles. And as I said before, Colorado is an awful place to grow. Uh, they could not produce quality enough fiber. Um, and in terms of fiber, it's going to take some time to like, build up that quality and get it to uh, build a match other industries, other countries, in terms of the uh, capabilities, not just in processing, because processing is going to take tens of millions of dollars to get up and running um, to any, any kind of uh, noticeable scale. Um, and, uh, and, but the, the, the actual quality of the genetics is, is one of the biggest things. Um, but in terms of, like I, I, if we take an even broader approach and looking at uh, the overarching industry, um, I find it interesting talking to a lot of people uh, that are either somewhat in the industry or, like, just getting into the industry um, or even, like, kind of a few years into the industry that still seems like everybody wants to be in everything. <laughs> um, and, and while I, I, uh, I love it and I totally understand where they're coming from because that's what I wanted to do when I first got in, I was like, I'm going I'm to grow hemp and turn it into everything. Um, there is, there is good reason for specialization, uh, at least to some degree, right? And there's also like in the cannabinoid space, there's, uh, there's a lot more to develop. Um, there's a, there's a lot of opportunities, but everybody, so many people just want to get in everything. they want to grow five like basically it I look at it, there's three categories. There's flour, which can go into flour products or cannabinoid products or terpenes or whatever else can come out of flour. Fiber, which is in the best in the herd, and then grain, which either you're selling it for planting again, or you're selling it for food or animal feed or whatever industrial products you can manufacture out of the oils. Um, but it seems like everybody wants to get in everything. And, and I think, A, uh, one of the challenges with that is that I feel like people assume, still to an extent, unless they're like a little bit further into the hemp space that uh, you can grow a single hemp plant and you'll be able to get all these things from it um, and it's like maybe you can get two of them you can get like cannabinoids and fiber you can get like really good fiber and low cannabinoids you can get like really good cannabinoids and low fiber not really great quality fiber you can get like grain and fiber uh, you can get uh, like again like grain and fiber but like, then, like grain and cbd doesn't really doesn't really work I mean I guess you can have like sunflower with the grain but that's just going to be just gonna be a mess to deal with like the the whole processing aspect um but uh and then to like dial it into the cannabinoid space like on this topic i feel like so many people are in the cannabinoid space i want to branch out into everything else it's like quite frankly there's so much development that's going to go on in the cannabinoid space and i think this is something that we had a conversation about when you were on my podcast uh in terms of like calling uh, it's, it's not happening as much anymore. But it still happens to a degree. Uh, calling yourself like a CBD processor, you're a CBD company, right? And it's so like that's not that's not the case. You're a cannabinoid company, or even like a uh, a hemp extract company or a cannabis extract company, because there's so many other components that are in the plant, right? The terpenes and everything. Yeah. Um, and there's so many so many avenues of development that somebody can take in the just in the cannabillite space or so many avenues of development somebody can take in just the fiber space or in the grain space. And so uh, the aspect of wanting to be in everything I think it is <clears throat> it's cool to like learn a bit about everything, kinda understand where where it can be utilized. But it's also like if you try to get into everything, you're gonna you're gonna very quickly wear yourself out because there's so much in everything. Um, and so I think in terms of any kind of piece of advice that right there, not getting into everything is, is, uh, kind of paramount, right? You should specialize. You, like you guys are in cannabis, you're a cannabinoid company, right? I mean, maybe you also manufacture with terpenes and all that kind of stuff that all the other products they're in, but, uh, it's, um, yeah, in terms of where it's going and like how the future is going to let, play out. Another thing that people kind of get lost on is just it's, it's everything's going to happen overnight. That's not the case. Of these regulations, they're shaking out. It's great. It's going to kind of help move things forward. Things are still going to take time. There's still going to be regulations you have to deal with. Um, and that's particularly in the fiber space. Like so many people come to me like, I just want to manufacture shirts in the United States. So we can, just, can we just plant some hemp and grow it and decorticate it and have some fiber that we can use. And it's like, it's a lot more steps involved, and uh, major infrastructure. Like, if you, if you have $10 dollars, $10 you can probably build a supply chain that can support like making a hundred shirts a year or something. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe that's a bit drastic, but that's that's kind of like that's the scales that, it, that it's at, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I think uh, a things have moved a lot quicker than I thought it was going to be, and I've talked about this many times. I, th- I thought the I thought we like this point would be like a decade from when the 2014 farm bill started uh but we're actually we're moving a bit faster uh so things definitely are going to change pretty pretty rapidly and maybe to people that aren't in the industry it's going to be like vr that like uh they pay attention and then they stop paying attention because things aren't moving fast enough in their mind and then they start paying attention again in a few years and all of a sudden everything's changed uh and so um all the people that are in the industry have been seeing the 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 slow development over time but i'm i'm very i'm very excited to see where it all goes right especially with marijuana coming in especially with how hemp and everything might tie together hopefully it'll just be the cannabis industry coming forward that'd be really nice i think it's going to take like at least five years for that to occur but um i'm very hopeful
0: Five years is not very far away, to be honest. So people need to no, be a little patient, even though you know people have been so impatient for so many years. Uh, I just like that the barriers are coming down. I like that this is a topic of conversation at any average person's home. It's not as taboo <laughs> as when I was a kid. So for me, uh, along with, I'm very eager to see what the state rolls out with their final regulations here and where we move forward with smokeable. Um, for instance... I think I saw in legislation that you with the rec THC you might be able to grow six plants in your house. Okay, does that mean you have to have a medical marijuana card for that or can you do it without? Um, and why is it that you can grow smokable in your house then but you can't buy it in a vape store with, you know, better quality, I you know that's actually has a COA on it? That doesn't make sense no. to me. So, so, those are just the little things, but I'm not going to get too hung up on that because there's so much else going on. And people now are having cannabinoids in their body that helps them, helps their health, help them sleep, um, finding them relief in different ways. Uh, that is what I'm most happy about and staying upbeat about, without a doubt.
1: Absolutely. No, I, I yeah, I'm very, very hopeful and uh, not even necessarily hopeful, but I, I see that the industry is moving in a very good direction. Um, nationwide. It's again yeah, all those all those little like it's it's the like eighty percent of it's all great. It's just those like twenty percent components that are still a little wishy washy, but they are being kinda of smoothed out over time. So based on uh, um the feedback that the government has received and then like them changing new bill like producing this based on feedback that they've gotten in the past, like that's very uh, good to see. But obviously, it's still some things need to be changed. It can, it's, 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 pretty apparent that this bill was written by lawyers versus chemists. Um, but that being said, like they definitely got a lot of input from the chemists for sure, uh, and they got a lot of input from the industry. And so it's, it's encouraging to see that they're taking as much input as they are, uh, which is yeah, it's, it's just very nice to see because that's if they didn't. That would be like them purely going on their their own. Ideas of how it was forward. This is kind of so far they haven't really worked out. Like right? the big companies coming in, like uh, like Canopy and and uh, what was it before Seven Tier Hemp mm-hmm. was the first one, uh, and like all these these like these like big savior companies coming in um, haven't worked out. So hopefully they've learned their lesson and they'll do something different in the marijuana and hemp space going forward, as we've said. Um, but uh, yeah and, and uh, all
0: that's validating everything you said uh, great points um, it's always so good talking to you so t- tell people about what of Radio real quick uh, I was on an episode oh, yeah. of yours and loved it uh, at some point we'll have you out to uh, our facility and talk to our guys uh, but tell people where they can find it and, and what uh, you do with that project
1: yeah so uh, basically I, I have an education company I used to host events and everything bring people in to speak but since COVID started I wasn't able to host events anymore, so I, it's, I was forced to start uh, the podcast, which I was, I've been thinking about starting for a while, but it was good. Uh, it was great to have you on. Um, it's great to be on this podcast as well. But anyway, so uh, the company is What Can I Do? Uh, it's what, W-H-A-T, C-A-N-N-A, C-A-N-N-A do, D-O. Uh, you can go to whatcanado.com, or if you search on YouTube, uh, I What Can It Do, or there's also, you can search What Can Radio. Which is what Tana and Radio, uh, all one word put together. Um, I think there's about 45, 50 episodes up so far. Uh, Check it out; there's more coming down the road. I've kind of taken a bit of a hiatus at the end, the, the end of this year, but uh, there's going to be more people coming on going forward, and it's really just. Yeah, it's talking about the industry, where we're at, getting inside knowledge on people's perspectives on it. Because, again, there's so many components to the industry and to the industries, right? Cannabis is a feedstock for hundreds, if not thousands, of industries, potentially. Uh, And so it's it's very very confusing looking at it. So my goal with this is just kind of breaking it down, giving people uh, some direction, to how to go forward. Um, yeah, but What Can I Radio? You can find uh, on YouTube, you can find me on Instagram, uh, and you can find at whatcanadue.com. So.
0: I'm excited you're doing that for the industry. Uh, and it's definitely helpful with, with the amount of information you get with being a part of the hemp industry association, being able to pass that on to people, uh, with, with a, your filter, I think is very, uh, educational for everybody. So please check it out. Um, I've checked out a couple episodes and I've learned some things, so I don't even have to call him. I could just learn it on this podcast. So. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's my goal. That's my you
1: It's gotta, it gotta go there. Yeah. Um, but it's great, great talking with you on this podcast as well. And, uh, kind of branching out into some, some other topics as well. So it's, it's very, yeah,
0: it's very helpful. No, thanks for calling tonight, Aiden. I uh, appreciate all of yeah. your uh, effort setting aside this time. I know everybody is anxious about this THC game, but at the same time, they need to know what's going on with cannabinoids because it's so much more than just THC and uh, Delta eight. Uh, I just wanted to say, I have dabbled with it with uh, cartridges recently and uh, I love it. I really love it yeah. to add to my arsenal um, I skied with it last night and enjoyed the evening. Uh, I hit 60 miles an hour going down rocket the other, last night with a little right. delta eight in That's me, great. so I, I felt pretty That's loose great. and I was well in control. So uh, I gotta say that uh, it was a nice, interesting uh, feeling for me last night. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Absolutely, yeah. I haven't. I can't say
1: I've dabbled in it yet, but it's definitely again going back to that aspect of if it. If it's allowed in the general hemp space, I think consumers will benefit greatly, at least over time.
0: Yeah, I'll be very interested to see um, if what kind of medical, positive medical aspects there are of it, um, mixing it with the other cannabinoids. Uh, I'm really excited to see that.
1: Absolutely
0: great! All right, well, man. Thank you
1: very much for having me on.
0: Yes, enjoy your evening, and we will talk soon. Yes, you
1: too.